0: Well, hello, bozos and bozettes. Nice to be here back with you on Mean Age Daydream. I, of course, am Brian McWilliams, and if you're watching the video on YouTube or on Odyssey, uh, whatever platform you like, you may notice I'm looking a little haggard. A little bit of Merle Haggard going on over here. I have, uh, last couple weekends was in Reno. As you know, of course, last week's episode was with me, with Clint Russell, with Reed Coverdale, and with Toad from the Tower Gang Pod recapping our Reno experience and chatting a little about uh, some of the rebuffs to what happened with the reset, the idea of party politics, etc. So make sure to go back, listen to that, check it out. But straight out of Reno, you know, it's like I got back on, uh, on Sunday from Reno and then went right back to Vegas as of Friday this past week and, uh, and went hard in the paint. Me and Rico met up there, a few other buddies of his from Cleveland, and uh, we, yeah, we went hard. So, I have thrown this out there before. The equation, if you're wondering, and this is tried and true, the equation for measuring how hungover you will be as you get older is basically this. It is your age divided by four. That is the number of days you will be hungover. So... Let's say I stopped drinking 2 a.m. Saturday. It's now Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right? I'm three days in. I've got until tomorrow at 4 a.m. and then I will finally have been recovered from the bacchanal that took place. But suffice to say, I look like shit. I'm uh, still tired, and I probably sound like shit. So there you go, people. Beauty fades. But, you know, your ability to party, that fades right along with it. Not only to get ugly, (laughs) but your ability to rock and roll also goes away. So anyway, thanks for coming here listening and joining me, by the way, at the top of the show while we're talking, I want to remind you guys to check out a sponsor of ours, which is IP Vanish. IP Vanish, one of the absolute most renowned names in the IP Vanishing slash VPN game, with thousands of reviews on Trustpilot. If you're sick of being followed around the internet, if you like me, you went to Vegas, God knows what you did with your credit cards, God knows what people were doing, hacking into your phones, God knows what Wi-Fi networks you joined to try to get text messages out to your wife to assure you that you were alive and that her child still had a father well you know that people can follow you hackers can get access to your information can follow your browsing history even if you're just tired of advertisers following you around use ip vanish make sure that you can block them off keep your family safe your information safe your own personal privacy information safe and with ip vanish it's a beautiful system just a click of a button turn it on Goes across any of your platforms, whether that's your iPad, your phone, your computer, or whatnot, you can protect yourself. Not only that, but you protect your physical location with IP Vanish. They can't track your IP. They don't know where you is, which is a wonderful thing for many, many reasons. Of course, the other addition for for uh, IP Vanish is that by using promo code LIONS at ipvanish.com forward slash LIONS, you can get 70% off a year long subscription. This is like a couple dollars a month, priceless to protect yourself. So again, check that out, guys. IPVanish.com forward slash Lions. Use promo code Lions and make sure to take your privacy back today. And uh, I am proud that I will be protected from my Vegas stalkers. So what do you want to talk about today, guys? I have nothing on the agenda. No, I do. I do. I've not yet seen Top Gun Maverick. I, uh, I would see it. I'll say that if I, if I could carve out some time, get away, you know, and, uh, and go maybe, you know, if the wife and I had a babysitter, I'd go see it, especially in the theater, you know, getting back out there. You don't have to wear stupid masks in theaters anymore. And and I, I can't remember if I relayed this from going to Reno or not, but also, and I guess going to Vegas, it was very funny because in the LA airports side tangent here in the LA airport here in Los Angeles, they still are making you wear masks and uber and lyft still make you your mask now i got in a taxi the guy taxi driver wasn't wearing a mask i wasn't wearing a mask neither of us gave a damn and the funny thing is at the airport nobody's wearing masks anywhere the people working there i guess are, are wearing them half the tsa aren't half the cops aren't but the people working in food and beverage i think they they still keep them on but there's these announcements every 20 minutes to remind you that you need to wear your mask, right? And that it's enforced. And then, you know, that, of course, all these threats from government. Yes, it's enforced. and you, you know, you have to wear it. You have to comply. And it's funny because every time they play one, everybody in the airport looks around, meets eyes, and has a nice chuckle because everybody's over this horseshit. But I don't know why I just thought that. Maybe, I, you know, the, the time I'll probably end up seeing Top Gun Maverick is on a plane. That's where I end up seeing pretty much every movie these days. But I would go see it. Going to see those fighter jets, wonderful. Now I do question whether or not they have the uh, the F thirty five fighter in there, which was notoriously uh, terrible for a long time. I think they finally got the things fixed, but a boondoggle for our defense department in how long and how difficult these things were to get into to even get to be functional compared to so many other planes that Russia and China are using and the U.S., of course, because the lobbyist situation has this contract which never seems to end. But still, fun to see planes flying around, blowing crap up. Good to see Tom Cruise on the old Maverick helmet. And Top Gun was an iconic film from my youth. That music, you know, do, 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 do. Spawned one of the most frustrating video games ever to come out for the Nintendo. If anybody remembers that game, Top Gun the Game where you'd fly around, had some good aerial combat, but trying to land the plane on that motherfucking aircraft carrier, holy shit, pissed me off. But more than that, that you could figure out, right? You eventually, you're like, okay, I yeah, got the, the yaw and the lead and the air, you know, whatever. I can figure out how to land this stupid plane on the aircraft carrier. But then they got another mission where you got to refuel this plane in the air, and that was nigh impossible. Yeah, I mean, basically... You know, it's, it's from this angle where you're trying to, to to suck this dick full of plane fuel and trying to get that thing to latch on for, you know, however many seconds it was. Get the hell out of here. I'm eight years old, man. <laughs> you have laws against child labor. Don't make me practice fueling anything up until I can legally do it myself. It's so frustrating. But big box office opened up huge, obviously making big waves because people had the nostalgia for it. We're uh, uh, at war, even if no one's going to outwardly admit it, even though we're not actually flying our aircraft over there, right? We didn't impose a no-fly zone, thank God. Cooler heads prevailed there. But I guess maybe maybe people want to see our capabilities, right? So they go into theaters in droves to check out this new film. The thing that people probably don't realize is just how much emphasis and just how much power is exercised by the U.S. government and... Let me bring up the exact name of this, uh, this foundation. The, entertaining, the U.S. Defense Department's Entertainment Media Office. Now, the Entertainment Media Office falls under the Department of Defense and provides production assistance for movies and television. Quote, the Department of Defense Entertainment Media, this is from their website, media office supports studios, production companies, producers, directors, screenwriters, location managers, actors, and filmmakers in the production of both scripted and unscripted films. Organizations desiring the support of the Department of Defense for Film Productions could contact the DOD Entertainment Media Office, and you can email them at osd.pentagon.pa.mbx.ce-public-inquiries at (laughs) mail.mil. They make it real, real succinct. (laughs) Seriously, what the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) Now... Guys, let me tell you this, right? They list this as a portion of the defense, the uh, Department of Defense, and supposedly this is from an op-ed in the LA Times. But I've heard of this as you know multiple times over the uh, the past few decades. You know they've done something like twenty five hundred films. Now they haven't exclusively done them, right? It's not like they are exclusively producing, but they do provide some monetary support. They do provide consultation services. They do provide, you know, um, armament that you could use. Like, for example, in Top Gun, the planes that they're using are actual military jets. You know, the production companies, they can't afford to go buy these jets at such extreme cost. But there is a deal with the devil to be made there. There's a Faustian bargain. So what ends up happening? Well, Just like in Top Gun, the original and the remake, you now have a circumstance where the government does exercise quite a bit of control over not only what's being seen, what's being shown. And you might have noticed that Tom Cruise's Taiwan flap, right? That he had a patch on his shoulder in the original Top Gun on back of his bomber jacket. And it was the Taiwanese flag. That was removed because the film wanted to come out in China So the producers took it out, right? This is a financial move to remove the Taiwanese flag because they didn't want to rile people up in China. They wanted to be able to go into that market. That flag was now digitally put back in. And this is something that people have been noticing that I notice, And it just comes on the heels of Joe Biden saying that we would take a militaristic approach to China should they invade Taiwan. If you think this is a coincidence, I can assure you it's not. I can assure you that the Department of Defense exercised its influence to put that Taiwanese flag back on there as a fuck you to China. And the question is how much revenue would this film lose by not now being distributed in China? Because it, without a doubt, will not be, or that scene, every scene with the bomber jacket will be censored, right? This is the, This is also the deals. Now, if the revenues are, in fact, off-put by this, did the Department of Defense cover costs? Did they make a deal with the production company to say, okay, well, you're going to go ahead and you're going to take out that flag and we're going to give you a little bit of, you know, X millions of dollars to cover what you would lose by not going to the Chinese marketplace? But- if we're going to go ahead and do that, here's some other changes we want to the script. Here's some other changes we want to how these things are portrayed. Here's changes that we want to have happen to what you showcase here. Maybe some of the negatives about being in the military, being in the uh, U.S. Navy. These are the ways they influence the content that's put out, right? And now this is pure propaganda from start to finish. It can be a great story, but it's still a, a piece of film that's about a military force coming out of the United States. And, Look, the U.S. Navy has done some great stuff with their fighter planes. We have not, right? To the to the extent of my knowledge, we have not been in a war, right? Because it's post-World War II. We didn't have F-15s, F-16s, F-18s, F-35s. We didn't have any of this shit in World War II, right? All of these fancy-ass planes have been used sparingly, sparingly from what we know. We're not doing dogfights out there with Russia constantly. With you know, Even in the, the height of the Cold War, this was to be avoided because of nuclear war. So the question is now, what's the propaganda for? Other than raising up jingoism, getting people to sign up for the military, which is clearly one of the main reasons they do it. And as I said, because of the editorial control that this Department of Entertainment, whatever, from the DOD controls, uh, the, the amount of control they have, they can quash different aspects of films that are negative or that would paint the US military, the outcomes of US military foreign policy in a negative light, they can quash that, they can edit those out. Right? And they have a powerful negotiating tactic here because of the difficulties in getting so much of this weaponry. But it doesn't end there, guys. Cuz you think about 2500 films they've been involved, with, but it's not just film. It's TV. It's anything with police, it's anything with the FBI, the CIA, the CIA is very involved with this. All those Jack Ryan movies, you know, all of those films, Clear and Present Danger, that kind of shit. All of that falls under the purview of this department. Why do you think there are a billion crime scene procedurals out there touting the FBI, touting these special agencies that operate under the federal government, touting the CIA, touting the spy circuit, right? This is all useful information for governments to get you on their side, to make you think that these clandestine institutions that we know now for a fact especially the FBI, have been fucking around, have been setting up American citizens, have been abusing the court system, supposed to keep them in check, have been spying on the Congress, right? The CIA is spying on the Congress, for Christ's sake. We know how abusive they are. But They all have influence to try to correct this, to right the wrongs, to paint themselves as the heroes, right? We're the white knights, we're the white helmets coming in to protect you from the evils of society. And they'll buy all day long and support projects all day long that want to paint terrorists out there, that want to go after the war on crime, because this is just fear porn. It's a perfect world for the government where we have independent producers, right? And don't forget, they work with studios, directors, independent producers, anybody that's got a project that wants to paint the U.S. military as the hero and wants to be building up the fear, building up the propaganda that's existing in the cultural lexicon to support the narrative that only the government can protect its citizens from the great evils, the great boogeymen under the bed that live in the desert and they're coming to get your kids they will gladly support them. Because, look, guys, maybe I'm wrong about the demand for all of these idiotic FBI programs. And granted, there is demand for them because they have been pushed so hard and people have bought into the propaganda so hard that they now will just watch these shows as a matter of course. It's almost like your breakfast cartoons on Saturday when you're a little kid for some of these older Americans, right? The CBS watchers of the world Crime scene procedurals, just like stupid-ass medical dramas, these are their Sunday morning, Saturday morning breakfast cereals. This is their comfort food. And for most Americans, that's what the propaganda has become. It is comfort food that the good guys always win. And what's so funny, too, is that they use repeatedly, in so many of these television procedurals, to, you know, focused on crime, focused on the FBI and the CIA, they use headlines from real-world events. And that way... The government's reinforcing that no matter what happens, right? Remember that headline that was terrible? Don't worry. FBI's got it. Remember that thing that happened that was so awful? Don't worry. The FBI, you know, was it Uh, NCIS, which I can't remember what it stands for, the Naval, uh, I don't know, Cox in Swimsuits, uh, whatever, Crime Division, they're going to solve it. It might have happened there, but uh, we got it handled here. And if somebody wants to point out the failings of the government, eh, strike that. That script's dead. going to take it out, we're going to change it, we're going to alter it, because the government always has to be the good guy. Now, this becomes even more problematic when we look at how the propaganda is rolling out in regards to international, I guess, understandings of what is and is not terrorism, what is and is not uh, domestic warfare or is domestic extremism because this department of defense and their entertainment division has a very powerful role in shaping how the culture consumes and thinks about their existence in regards to terms that are intentionally amorphous like under Obama for instance we have a what was it the uh domestic actor or something like that i'm blanking on the phrase again blame my hangover it was a intentionally amorphous phrase, wherein they created a term for a an actor domestically who would be a threat, right? But they didn't define it. It could be really anybody who spoke out, who who dared to be part of a online group that's you know fuckthegovernment dot com, and you happen to get their newsletter that sort of thing. Domestic extremism has basically been a catch-all for whatever the government wants to monitor, to whatever the government wants to censor. And now you've got this entertainment arm that's more than happy to work with corporate leftist media, which of course, if there's going to be a show that's going to paint domestic extremism as white guy who has a gun out in the you know in the wilderness somewhere, well, I'm sure they're very happy to paint that picture. Because again, It fosters an affinity towards government control. It fosters an affinity towards that exclusivity on violence. And I'm going to talk about gun control towards the end of the episode. I don't want to get too off base here, but you see how dangerous this is. And they've been doing it for decades. And there used to be bills on about, you know, getting in the way of propagandizing your own citizens, which have been removed. But it's even greater concern now when you do have the corporate press working lockstep with the corporate entertainment media on one agenda, which is this kind of anti, I'd say anti-freedom, anti-individualism agenda that is working in tandem with government, right? Because everything the government says, every narrative the government pushes, whether it's COVID, whether it's gun control, whether it's domestic extremism, whether it's that Ukraine has to be propped up and Ukraine is the only democracy, of course, it's the only democracy that we know of that has gotten rid of all other parties in the country, basically is now a dictatorship under Zelensky and the oligarchs there. Whatever narrative they're going to push now is lockstep with the government. So this Department of Defense, which, you know, before, who knows how many things they changed, but at least it was a more measured society. At least we had a little bit more of a pushback from corporate media and a little bit less emphasis on social media as the one arbiter of truth that kind of lock, you know, steps everything and checks everything. Now I'm more worried about this than ever now. The only good news is maybe there's some hope with The Daily Wire and and their independent creative studios. Maybe there's hope that other people are going to step in and actually try to to get in the way of this influence. And, you know, having the L.A. Times op-ed, today, which this actually published on the 30th. I was shocked to see it. You know, the first thing I thought of when Top Gun came out was that this would be a perfect topic for me to talk about. And I was amazed that this happened to this guy, Roger Stahl wrote about the issue of government control over film and television. And we talk about China's influence and how that was such a big part of censorship, of altering content and of catering content where nothing can be critical of China. Kind of like the NBA players here standing up and decrying all of the atrocities that are committed by the United States and by capitalism. Meanwhile, they say boo about communist China and all the atrocities going on there. Well, similarly... It's interesting to see that you know this now may. I totally fucking lost my train of thought. <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Well, whatever. Fuck it. You know what I'm getting at. Oh, brainworms, guys! I got the brainworms. That's what I got going on here. Well, moving on. I want to talk about something else, too. Before I do, let me tell you guys to check out uh, our Patreon, if you haven't yet. Uh, my Good Morning Ranch show. Good Morning Fuckheads on there. Conspiracy Corners are on there. We've got uh, the return of the Degenerate Gamblers along with the football season. Our weekly show on gambling and storytelling and much more. You can go to patreon.com forward slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. Get in there, get, uh, get bonus content as little as five bucks. We would love it if you did. Now, moving on to our next topic here, I watched a show, and this is something where I've seen a couple different shows pop up, which are conspiracy-centric. And these are shows that I mean, Obviously, the Department of Defense has no, no say in these because they're really keen on some, of some, some funny issues, some things that are true. You know, there's a little weaving of, of the truth and conspiracy here. But from a broader cultural standpoint, I wonder if the stigma about conspiracy theories has been removed by the atrocities committed by our government, by worldwide governments during the COVID pandemic and beyond. Because there's a show, uh, and I can't remember, there was one cartoon show I saw, which is like, uh, I don't know, Deep Seated or something, Conspiracy World, something like that, but it's animated. i watched a couple episodes of it. It's fine. But there's a new one from Mike Myers. So it's getting a lot more attention. And it's called The Pentaverite. Now, The Pentaverite, if you don't remember, originally was floated out when Mike Myers did a film called So I Married, an Axe Murder. Great film. Highly recommend it. Funny as hell. Classic Mike Myers. You'll let you recognize a lot of his accents: the Shrek accent, the fat bastard accent. They are all there as Myers plays his Scottish father-in-law or Scottish father, pardon me. And his uh, his accent comes out quite strongly. It's a great character, but he mentions the Pentaveret, and he kind of does this this joke of like leaders of big business and whatever. Colonel Sanders was a member of the Pentaveret there. Of course, Colonel Sanders is dead uh, currently, but I'm surprised he didn't bring him back just for it. But the concept of the show is that there's five men that run the world. And they, you know, it's one guy basically is like a Rupert Murdoch character who, uh, spoiler alert, turns out to be the bad guy because, of course, Mike Myers is leftist and, you know, everybody's got to hate Fox News. But there's an Australian that's a Rupert Murdoch character. There's, you know, some old guy that's been on it. There's a Russian uh, who's into witches and spellcraft and stuff. There's yada, yada. But it's an interesting show. In that it does talk about government conspiracy. It talks about what the government's keeping from you. It talks about not only, I think, and my favorite line from it was, is that basically it's opening up about the fact that conspiracies, as nutty as some of them are, oftentimes still turn out to be true. And maybe I'm making too much of this. Maybe I'm just imagining what I want to imagine or seeing things that are there because I'm, you know, coincidental trends. And I'm saying that this is now something intentional that's coming out in the culture. But I do think the timing of it is interesting. And I do think that having shows like this, that people are saying, you know what, I want to tune into a conspiracy centric show, even, you know, especially if it's a comedy, because comedies can get away with things that a lot of other shows might not be able to that are you know, straight-laced conspiracy shows. as Straight-laced conspiracy shows. That sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But point being, when you are coming out of this environment where we've been blatantly lied to, and it's come to the forefront because you simply cannot deny reality anymore when it comes to something like COVID. You can't, even with Ukraine and Russia, You can't deny the reality of what we're seeing with Ukraine and Russia, where we were told that Russia would lose this war 25 times over, that they had no chance, that they were being driven back, that the Ukrainians were heroes, that they're not even taking casualties after all, right? Well, they just captured 5,000 Russian troops the other day. That's been proven to be a complete and total lie. When we look at Joe Biden and his crashing approval ratings and his you know, little psychotic uh, dickheads lying to the media every day and his statements about inflation, again, blaming it on Putin and blaming it on X, Y, and Z, instead of taking ownership of the policies that the government pushed, saying that they were necessary, which we know are clearly not, touting these high death rates that are supposedly forthcoming, that they're not, touting the efficacy and the efficiency of the vaccine and stopping the spread of COVID, which now we know that the people with vaccines, as it released in CDC papers. If you got the vaccines, they knew it would spread faster. We now all see that. We see people, even though the media still won't report on the number of adverse effects, the number of heart problems, the number of problems in young people and children that are the height of their athletic careers, the height of their health, keeling over, having heart attacks, having X, Y, and Z implications because they have had this virus uh, or this mRNA vaccine injected in them. People are seeing all of these things happen and are now open to questioning what exactly is going on. They see people's Facebook posts being removed. They see the censorship on everything that they look at in their world before them. And they have to say, well, the conspiracy theories certainly seem to hold more weight. Now, it doesn't have to be an Alex Jones telling you all these things all the time. I mean, now isn't everybody a conspiracy theorist? And that's the point I'm trying to make from a cultural standpoint is that when we've finally entered into a realm where everyone is a conspiracy theorist, then people are going to start looking around and wondering what they've missed in the past, what they've missed that's been looking them right in the face. And they've been too brainwashed, too obtusely focused on you know, the mainstream narrative being sold to them or being parroted to them by their relatives or their friends or their you know, loved ones, whatever it might be, or taught to their children. How about that one? How about that? That uh, another conspiracy theory that they're trying to turn your children gay? It sounds crazy, right? And then you see all of the, this, these different programs are based around converting your children uh, to new gender pronouns and not telling the parents if your child ha- wants to do anything with gender and not, te- not, not being open to them about when they're teaching gender and what they're teaching as far as gender open about bringing in, you know, transgender or a drag queen reading your books to Children's Day. And now I get it's under the guise, was what I'll tell you, and I'm sure some of them legitimately believe this. It's under the guise of expanding what is going to be acceptable in society, or at least combating hatred. But it's still highly inappropriate and What comes into the realm of conspiracy is that these people don't own up to it. They'll lie to your face about what they're teaching your children. And they'll lie to you in in documents. They'll lie to you in PTA meetings until it's exposed because a child brings home a paper or a document or somebody actually goes and finds this out in person at a meeting or somebody has a secret video recording of it. This is conspiracy brought to light. So it's interesting seeing this pentavirate it's interesting that I think that people are finally hitting the wall. The uh, the silver screen that's being pulled down, the scrim, if you will, that's being pulled down is starting to ripple. And people are starting to see the little tears in that fabric of reality. Now, that, I guess, could bring us to the topic of gun control. Now. You know, I don't want to get Sandy hooked here, uh, so I so I'm not going to say that there's any sort of conspiracy here that the government is uh, is pushing forward. You know, mass mass shooters uh, to take the emphasis off of other problems the country had or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I will say though that this newest mass shooter, right, the Evaldi shooter, this 18 year old kid who went and bought two assault rifles on his birthday, at least according to reports. Well, they could not have given the government a better example of how they need to take away your rights because of X, right? And this kid is X. And it comes as... The media is reporting and the uh, the FBI is reporting, you know, there's been over 200 mass shootings this year. Now, that is a bullshit stat. It's complete and total horseshit. If you do any looking into it, kind of like the wage gap, right? If you do any poking of that, the bubble immediately pops because it's just simply not true. They categorize mass shootings as basically two or more people involved and it doesn't, you know. And they'll say, "Oh, well, 28 at schools this year." No, it's okay. A gun went off in a parking lot. It's a mass shooting. It's horseshit. And I'm, I'm using these examples because these are re- these are real examples. Just absolutely absurd standard that these people use because they want to push the push the mass shooting narrative. And you'd go, "Well, Brian, why would the FBI want to push it if they're if they're putting this database together? Why do you think the FBI wants to do it? Because it's in the FBI, it's in the government interest to limit access to guns. Period." Even if the FBI is just simply a crime-fighting organization, right, that's on the up-and-up, wouldn't it still be in the best interest of that organization and or the people that work at that organization to restrict your access to guns? I mean, if they're coming at you, they want to be the only ones with guns, period. That's natural. I'm not saying that they're wrong to feel that way, right? I mean, shit, if I have a gun and I'm going at somebody else, I'd prefer they don't have a gun, and that's the whole idea behind having guns be accessible. The whole idea behind the Second Amendment is that citizens have to be armed. But this latest shooter gave the perfect example of guy to you know, apparently didn't have uh, the, the right background checks done, you know, didn't have the reporting done properly. He had been in trouble for threatening people at his school before, but for somehow didn't get flagged. It's an argument for red flag laws to say that, well, there you know, there should have been a red flag hall here to limit his access to guns if he had this report. That's a perfect example of what, quote unquote, assault weapon being used and in the most horrific fashion. You know, this fucking kid supposedly was, it was bullied at, uh, at high school or something like that. I don't know why you would go and shoot at an elementary school. I mean, that's a special level of, of disturbingly sick that makes you just sick, makes you sick to your stomach to read it, to see it. And of course, it's the perfect thing for the government to take advantage of to push this agenda. Now, you have Matthew McConaughey coming out and saying, well, you know, I don't want to protect the Second Amendment by having reasonable restrictions put on gun laws and blah, blah, blah. And I haven't seen exactly what he has said he wants to do. But naturally, McConaughey, there's chat about him trying to run for governor at some point, maybe even president. I don't know. But this comes on the heels of Joe Biden also saying that he wants to not take away all your guns, but then, of course, the Second Amendment Does not promise, you know, hold on, let me find the exact quote. Biden says that the Second Amendment is not absolute and calls for an assault weapon ban. Now, I'm not going to get into the tired conversation about what and what isn't an assault weapon. I'm not going to waste my time doing it. I'll let asshole politicians do that if it gets that far. I personally still think even this will not get it done. But to me, and I can't remember if I, I think I said this on this podcast before the last time I referenced this, but I'll say it again because this has come to the forefront because these people are looking to make a real concrete push to raise the age you can buy guns at to from 18 to 21, even though lawmakers will still back the fact that if they want to draft, right? And there's been, I think it was a Republican lawmaker on the bookshelf, maybe a Democrat. It doesn't really matter. They're both still pro-military industrial complex. They're all still pretty much unanimously draft heavy and draft uh, proponents. So he was saying that, well, no, you shouldn't be able to get an assault weapon or a gun here until 21. But, you know, we still need people for the military. And if you need people for the military, you need people for the military. Cool, great. (laughs) Great, great, sound argument, guy. But it seems these people are actually making the push now to, to come after guns, to come after your right to bear arms. And they're going to say it's to protect the, the public, which is why they keep putting out these bullshit stats. Again, why do we keep seeing this broad definition of mass shooter? Because of the emphasis to take away your guns. They need to get the cultural population convinced that your kids in danger of being shot every time they walk out a door. Now, this is probably true in Chicago, liberal run Chicago for decades, the most violent city in America, or Philadelphia just had a quote unquote mass shooting. Now, this again, you know, that this mass shooting in Philadelphia was between, I believe, two people, two warring factions that happened to include other people and with handguns. So, Banning assault weapons wouldn't get rid of this problem. Uh, Raising the age from 18 to 21 to buy an assault weapon isn't going to solve this problem. Raising the age from 18 to 21 to buy a handgun isn't going to solve this problem. And fighting, quote unquote, ghost guns. Again, this is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. A ghost gun is a gun that's been bought legally that then has been made illegal by removal of the, you know, the identifications on it. How is that going to make... You're going to make people liable for ghost guns that have been robbed from their houses? Now, naturally, Biden wants to talk about how, oh, well, that wouldn't happen if you had proper storage in your house and kept it in a gun locker and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. How are you going to enforce that? If it gets stolen from your house and used in this heinous crime, you're going to put people in jail? I guess some people will put their shit away in gun lockers. The problem is, if I keep everything in a gun locker nowhere near to where I need to access it, if somebody breaks into my house and I have to get up, go over to my gun locker to get my gun out, and then I go walk back and unlock it and then put it in the club. What are my odds that I'm going to be shot before that happens by my intruder? I need the gun next to me. I need it accessible. I've got a gun safe next to my bed. Beep, boop, boop, there we go, open it up, I'll get my gun back out. But for people that have shotguns, et cetera, you might need something a little bit bigger. Might be a little bit more difficult for you to get that out. And or are you going to send people door to door now? No, of course not. But anyway, that's off on a tangent. Point being, they are doing everything they can to come for these guns. Now, the question is, what level of violence is acceptable to a society where we say, okay, we're willing to give these guns up to give the government what is virtually a monopoly on violence, because if they do take everything but pistols, that does drastically limit your ability to fight back against said government, period. Uh, it is a game changer. You know, if you've ever shot, I don't know how many of you out there have shot a rifle versus a pistol, but it is a different world. You know, the rifle is vastly more accurate. You can get higher caliber out there. It's, it is a game changer insofar as your effectiveness as a battlefield component. Not to say that you can't fight back with guns. If every American had a gun, well, I think we'd probably be a lot better off, but it is a bit of a game changer there. So we have to say, what are we willing to accept? For me, I'm willing to accept quite a bit of violence of this nature, as heinous and horrible as it is. Why? Because it comes down to one simple question. Which is the greater danger not only to me, but for my child. The odds that some shooter, some random fucked up kid comes in, shoots up my kid's grade school is astronomically low. Astronomically low. Now, the fear... And the propaganda and the repetitiveness nature of every time one of these happens, it's made into the biggest deal in the world. And of course, the TV coverage it receives makes it more likely to happen later because all you're doing is inspiring other people to do the same thing, to go out in a blaze of burning glory. And these people never seem to fucking understand that. That yes, if you have these things happen, that they will be echoed because people will see it as a means of going out, getting the revenge and becoming famous, right? They did it. They have finally been noticed, especially kids that are isolated, kids that are ignored, kids that are from broken families, broken homes. And I'll come back around to that to finish the episode up. But I know that as dangerous as this world is told to be, right, as dangerous as it's made out, I know that, in fact, the odds of this happening are so far less than my kid dying with me in a car accident uh, than her getting sick from something and, and dying, of her, I don't know, falling off a playground and having something happen. Now, I don't wish any of these things on my child or anyone's children, but I recognize there is a vastly greater danger in my assessment to giving away the guns to government and then seeing what could happen in the future, seeing the way in which we have been already marching down the road to authoritarianism, seeing the way in which... During the COVID pandemic, the government locked people in their houses, arrested them for breaking arbitrary unconstitutional rules that were given under this imaginary pretense of a pandemic emergency. I'm seeing countries around the globe that don't have any gun rights lock their citizens in their homes, weld them shut, deny them access to food, deny them access to medicine, deny them access to run their business, to make their basic lives function. Seeing scre- people screaming out of si- skyscrapers, got to keep screaming out of skyscrapers as Sally sells seashells by the seashore, See, seeing them scream out of skyscrapers for help or to just have human contact Contact. Seeing people put away in fucking centers—I won't call them concentration camps because I don't want YouTube to, to, you know, get on my case—but seeing them put into COVID detention centers for not being vaccinated, this is the sickness that I see, and I have to ask myself as we see the march to war, as we see the government cracking down on any misinformation, we just saw Biden's disinformation committee get booked down a little bit, but you know, it'll be back. I'm seeing big brother 1984 play out in front of my eyes. And I asked myself for my child, what's the greater danger? And for me, my basic freedoms For my kid, the basic way and rights for her to live her life as an individual, to succeed, to not have the boot of government pushing down on her at all times, to not have to worry that she is going to, in fact, live in a world that doesn't have enough just material goods and that can be locked down at any time that they can turn on or off your ability to use currency, your ability to to buy the basic necessities of life and put on some sort of subsistence lifestyle, communist style, that's a greater danger to me. So I am an absolutist when it comes to Second Amendment rights. The risk-reward there is not enough. The danger is not even remotely close enough for me to justify saying that you should limit Second Amendment rights in any way. So why is that the conversation we don't have more often? Because of the fear porn, right? Because won't somebody do something? And that's what they want you to think. They want you to think that we have to do something because your kid's going to die tomorrow. And when it comes down to, you know, assholes posting on Twitter or uh, politicians asking, why are we not having a debate on gun control? Well, it's because no one's willing to debate it. Not honestly, not really. You know, the Democrats and you know, the government shills that want to keep in power and want to keep this monopoly on violence going and going strong. They are going to simply say, well, won't somebody think of the children? That's their one and only argument. Won't somebody think of the children? They'll point to their made-up statistics about mass shootings. They'll point to general statistics about gun deaths, even though a vast majority of those are suicides, not murders, or they're you know single-family uh, incidents wherein you have one guy get mad at another guy, or it's a crime of passion, as they say. They'll point to their bullshit stats and they'll tell you how dangerous it is and how all of these things have gotten worse. And you know, they have, in a way. Why? Well. Lockdowns, shortages, inflation, crime has skyrocketed, especially in these progressive cities that want to tell you they'll take away all your guns. And at the same time, they want to tell you that you shouldn't have your guns because you can't be trusted with them. So, who are we supposed to trust? Well, obviously, we're supposed to trust our police, we're supposed to trust our FBI. But the police stood by and let 15 children get massacred in an elementary school and they didn't do shit. So I should give up my guns so that you fuckballs can stand around as my kid gets shot. Cool. Uh, the FBI, right? Oh, they're, well, don't worry. The fbis they're supposed to be stopping these people, right? That's what we're told all these spying ways and means the you know the the secret FISA courts right that was the whole idea behind that is that people get flagged and then you can research by using these FISA documents to, you know, to go after them. of course those aren't supposed to be used domestically so I guess really they wouldn't apply a we see and they are used domestically but they've gotten all these you know the Biden administration combining with uh private institutions to combat domestic extremism well it didn't seem like it worked because oh. it still happened so we can't trust the FBI, can't trust the police. So who am I supposed to trust with my guns to keep my, my child safe? Oh, well, let's not forget too that courts found that police have no obligation to help you. They found this during, oh, that's right, the Black Lives Matter protest in which thousands of people were assaulted, were shot at, were beaten, had their businesses burned to the ground, had their rights stripped away from them, especially if they didn't have what? Guns. If they didn't have guns, they were really pretty much fucked. Our rooftop Koreans, they had guns. And the cops did nothing. They decided they were going to let the looters loot. They were going to let the stores burn. They were going to let the people march. And despite, despite the fact that it was COVID, remember, we were all locked in our houses, not able to go out and go to work. While the lockdowns were happening, they were allowing people to loot pillage beat burn and murder took over how many city blocks in seattle oh that's right and who took them over people with guns took them over but they'll argue that those people shouldn't have had those guns to take over that area but since they did have the guns well our cops aren't going to do anything about it anyway because they were black and they were studying for the right things politically at the time so yeah fuck it And if you happen to live in those four city blocks where people, by the way, were murdered and raped and assaulted regularly and businesses were burned down and looted. Well, sorry, the police aren't going to help you, but you should be trusting them with all of the guns. Cool. Makes a lot of sense, guys. But remember, we shouldn't have a debate about this because obviously if we just had a debate about this, it would be so obvious that we needed to have Rampant gun control. Anyway. One last second, then I'll wrap up on this. Um, Coherent, except for a couple places. Kind of getting my wits about me the way I'm talking here. Oddly enough, just as we wrap up the show. But, I've said this before. I'll say it again. and, And Biden, for once, hit on something accurate in that this is a mental health problem. It's not a gun problem. They want to point the gun, they, if they want to point the gun. They want to point the finger at guns because the guns is something that they feel that they can blame as a bad guy. It's a bogeyman that they can point at that they've been wanting to go after forever. But it's not the cause because we know the guns have been around way longer. And yet, this style of mass shooting is a recent phenomenon. It's a recent phenomenon, despite the fact that we have vastly more ways to combat it. We have vastly more uh, spying apparatus in place that are supposed to protect us and don't. We have vastly more cameras everywhere that are supposed to protect us and don't. We have vastly more signs saying that it's a gun-free zone around our schools that are supposed to protect it and don't. And Biden's saying that we need more uh, officers on school campuses Maybe if they're not going to do anything to stop the guy that's coming in with a gun, I don't see how it really matters how many cops you have stationed on these school campuses. I guess you got to get somebody in there that actually wants to do the job of stopping children from getting murdered first. But the problem is one of mental health and it's not going to be solved by putting more nurses in schools. It's not going to be solved by putting more counselors in schools. I can tell you that much right now. Doesn't work. What it will be solved by doing, and by the way, let's not forget that they already put in a shit ton of nurses and counselors and administrators and uh, Black Lives Matter activists and gender gender therapists and whatever the fuck else in schools. Because as I've said before, multiple times, the skyrocketing costs of education in this country are not because they're hiring more teachers. It's not because school books have gotten astronomically more expensive. It's because all the money that goes towards these shits, they spend on hiring more shits to make their jobs easier. AKA administrators hiring administrators, bringing in, again, bullshit gender studies majors, bringing in diversity and tolerance and diversity and inclusion horseshit people that's jobs are basically just to act as middlemen, to shuffle around papers, and to hire more people that's Subscribe to the same stupid failed ideology that's letting everybody in America down. Point being, putting more people in the schools isn't the solution. The solution to this is to get people's asses off of social media because we see the detriments to people's health, their physical health, their mental health, not only that, their legitimate psychological well-being. And not only, I mean, you're seeing girls develop Tourette's syndrome from watching TikTok videos for fuck's sake. If you need anything else to point to, the number one cause of the cancer that's spreading, the the psychological cancer that's spreading in youth, look no further than social media. Now, I'm not saying you need to prescribe a limit per day like China's doing with video gaming and social media there. No, what we need to have is a revolution culturally to put emphasis back on interpersonal communication, to make things a little bit nicer for a change. And yeah, I know I say that as a guy who makes caustic jokes online, but you'll rarely see me really going at people in a horrific way on social media. It's not the way I like to operate. It's not the way I like to do things. And I think that it's not only that, but we have a culture that spread to our children where they're seeing meme lords, they're seeing people owning each other all the time and everything is looking to be a slam dunk. You see it even in the way that sports are reported on like Bleacher Report and this shit. Everybody's gotta be posterized, right? So you have everybody being posterized, which makes everybody want to posterize. Posterizing begets posterizing, right? So you got people dunking on each other all the time, shitting all over each other, one-upping each other. But in the meantime, you also have people that don't know how to take a joke. Because nobody can take a joke anymore. We see that also throughout mainstream media. We see that throughout the ways in which people interact on an everyday level. Because to be able to take a joke, you need to have people that you can joke with. And most people these days don't. You've got people that you might know tangentially, but most of the time, you're probably talking to them online. Things get misinterpreted. Things go the wrong way. Again, you want to dunk all over them. You don't have people that you're actually spending quality time with. Everybody's looking down at their phone and not making eye contact. Everybody's getting autism, which is great for libertarianism. But actual human social interaction goes down the tubes. And if you don't have that, you don't have understanding. You don't have compassion, right? You don't have compassion. You don't have identification with other people as a part of the human race. And when you can do something like this kid did, that's an absolute lack of compassion. And you are seeing this because he is a sociopath that can't put himself in the shoes of the children, of the victim's parents, because he doesn't have this family, home. has a broken family home, probably ignored, probably bullied, probably uh, isolated, has no human connections. Now, that comes down to parenting, comes down to friend groups, but it also comes down to society as a whole. It comes down to seeing people and interacting with them. It, seems, it comes down to something as simple as smiling at somebody when you walk by them or giving them a nod when you pass them on the street. Something else that I do regularly that I've noticed that a lot of people have stopped doing, especially younger people. Simply saying hello, simply telling somebody, hey, how you doing, man? What's up with you? be taking a couple seconds out of your day to make sure that somebody else is behind you. If you're gonna hold a door for them, to give them a little, a little gesture of human kindness. Now, this may sound stupid to you. You may sound, but I don't think that's gonna do anything. Trust me. All of this accrues culturally, all of this adds together into how we interact as a human society and keeping things civil. When you lose civility, when you lose a common bond, and you're seeing that, and we've seen it break down with Trump era and COVID and everything else, where everybody's at each other's fucking throats at everything, that, and things that have nothing to do with them. Ukraine has nothing to do with you. But you're willing to tell your neighbor he's a fucking asshole to his face because he doesn't have a Ukrainian flag symbol in his Twitter. All of this ties together. We have to start creating stronger human bonds. They talk about, you know, take human action. Your Mises Caucus uh, phrase, right? Take human action. Take human kindness, guys. Bring that into play, too, because you're going to see shit continue to slide. You're going to see these things happen more and more and more if you do not take advantage of your opportunities to be kind once in a while. That's what I ask of you. Please. Mean age daydream style. Be kind. Try to keep that in mind. And I find you're going to have a lot better life. You're going to have a lot more success in your interactions with people and in communicating what you believe in, if you be kind. And probably you got a lot better chance of not getting shot in a parking lot by some fucking 18-year-old cocksucker who has no humanity left because of what society has done to him, because of what bad parenting has done to him, because of what bad schooling has done to them, and what social media has been tearing, basically just tearing this kid apart. So there you go. I'm not giving this kid an excuse. He's still a piece of garbage, and I'm glad he's dead. But if we don't identify the causes, we don't identify the carcinogens that are around us, then how can we hope to succeed? All right, that's it, guys. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network, and from Mean Age Daydream solo feed, please go give a subscribe and make sure you give us a five-star rating. That would really help me out. Spread the show. Tell people about it. And uh, make sure before you share it, do tell them that, I am uh, still hungover from my days and days of drinking. Otherwise, guys, that's it. Hope to see you next time. Thank you for joining me. I am Brian McWilliams. And uh, don't forget, to keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.